0: Serial killers are still out there, and it seems that as long as there are people walking this earth, you'll find them. Despite advancements in forensic technology that has undoubtedly stopped many serial killers dead in their tracks, they still roam. And today, we're going to dig into some cases that are ongoing, and chances are, you don't even know about them. Hey guys, it's Andrew, welcome back to this Patreon-only patrons episode of Thank you guys all so much for subscribing. It's much appreciated. And now, here are five serial killers active in 2023. Number five, the dark secrets of Jennings, Louisiana. Nestled deep in Cajun country, Jennings, Louisiana presents itself as a typical rural southern town. Its vast farmlands, winding dirt roads, and numerous crawfish pounds suggest an idyllic, sleepy atmosphere. But in 2005, a chilling mystery began to unfold, forever changing the town's serene facade. 28-year-old Loretta Chasson Lewis was the first to be discovered. A local fisherman had stumbled upon her dead body floating in the water in May of 2005. And then just a month later, 30-year-old Ernstine Patterson was discovered by some people out hunting for bullfrogs. And then, after that in quick succession, six more bodies would be discovered within the next four years, each found under eerily similar circumstances. The people around town, more importantly the Sheriff's Department, started to believe the gruesome pattern was the work of a serial killer. However, as investigations deepened in the case, the waters only grew murkier. Journalist Ethan Brown, who meticulously researched the so-called Jeff Davis 8 murders, raises some unsettling theories. As he suggests that multiple culprits might be involved and even more shockingly, points a finger at potential complicity within the local law enforcement agencies. Common threads bound all these victims together. Two of the victims had their throats slit, and the other six were too decomposed to nail down a cause of death, but it's thought they were all strangled. All eight women were involved in sex work and struggled with drug abuse, especially crack cocaine and many ran in the same circles socially. Two of the victims, Kristen Lopez and Brittany Gary, were even cousins, so it shows you that whoever was killing them, they all likely knew in one way or another several of the victims worked frequently at the Board Row Inn, a cheap motel known to law enforcement as a hub for illicit activity. But perhaps most alarming above all was that all these victims had at some point acted as informants for the police. And one of them, Muggy Brown, had even confessed to family about her informant role shortly before her demise. The officer she claimed to be working with was the very one who found her body. The chilling foreknowledge of their fates haunted the last moments of some victims. Nicole Guillory, the last of the eight, eerily predicted she wouldn't see her 27th birthday, even suggesting police involvement in all of the deaths. While the cloud of suspicion over the police grew denser, the local criminal world couldn't be overlooked. Frankie Richard, a notorious pimp and drug dealer familiar with several victims, emerged as the prime suspect. And despite Richard's alleged confession about his involvement and his subsequent arrest, he was released due to insufficient evidence. And this led to speculations that perhaps the police paid him off a large sum to confess, even if he wasn't convicted, in the court of public opinion, the bad guy had been caught, just not sent to jail. In another twist, two men, Byron Jones and Lawrence Nixon, were linked to Ernestine Patterson's death. Nixon's wife provided testimony that implicated the two in the crime, but mysteriously, those charges were dropped, just like in Frankie's case. What's equally confounding is the shockingly low homicide clearance rate in Jefferson Davis Parish. With a rate of under 7% compared to the national average of 62%, the inefficiency of the local law enforcement in solving murders raises many eyebrows. Rumors even connected some victims to Leonard Crotchet, an unarmed drug dealer who was shot by an officer during a raid. Though the exact nature of this connection remains speculative, it adds another layer to this mysterious case. Jennings's dark secret, the unresolved deaths of eight women, remains an enigma, And, as to who is responsible for these killings, chances are we'll never get a straight answer. But, it looks to be the work of one person, and so likely there's a serial killer on the loose, and no one seems to care. Number 4. The Hunt for the Rainbow Maniac. Sao Paulo, Brazil a city known for its vibrant cultural scene and as a beacon of acceptance and diversity in Latin America, especially with its claim to the largest gay pride march in the world. Yet in 2007, an ominous cloud hung over the city's colorful reputation. The streets, which had recently been flooded with three and a half million individuals celebrating gay pride, were now echoing with a tale of horror. There was a serial killer on the loose, one specifically targeting the gay community. The western outskirts of Sao Paulo, especially in the city of Carapacuba, became the hunting grounds for the murderer dubbed by the press as the Rainbow Maniac. Here, a park known as a meeting spot for the LGBTQ community transformed into the backdrop for a series of gruesome crimes. The Thirteen men were found murdered with the telltale signs suggesting they were victims of the same hand. Half-naked, a 38 caliber bullet to the head, pants knotted around their knees. Another three victims were discovered in neighboring Osasco, with a consistent M.O. hinting at a single culprit. While the brutality of each crime was shocking, the timeline of events was equally disturbing. These murders began in July of 2007 with the death of Jose Cicero Henrique and spanned over the next 13 months. Despite the recurring nature and alarming pattern of these killings, a tangible connection between the crimes was not immediately identified by authorities. Paolo Fortunato, the police chief spearheading the investigation, believed they were dealing with someone who bore a deep-seated hatred for the homosexual community he painted a picture of a killer who believed he was performing a cleanup. The ways in which he executed his victims, including one who was beaten to death and another who was shot 12 times, showed an immense degree of hatred and callousness. In an era where social networking was just getting going, there were whispers that the killer might have been using platforms like Orcut to lure his victims into the pretense of a sexual encounter. However, none of this has ever been proven. Brazil for all its forward-facing sexual discrimination laws and appeal to gay tourists is also grappling with unsettling statistics. A report by the Grupo Gay da Bahia, a prominent gay rights group, highlighted that Brazil led the world in homophobic murders. From 1980 to 2006, a staggering 2,680 gay individuals lost their lives due to hate crimes. This concerning statistic, coupled with the Rainbow Maniac Spree, painted a stark contrast to Brazil's otherwise welcoming reputation. Many activists pointed fingers at the country's ultra-conservative evangelical sex, some of which decried homosexuality as devilish and propagated cures for being gay. The mystery began to see a glimmer of clarity when Jairo Francisco Franco, a retired police sergeant, emerged as a suspect. Two witnesses claimed to have seen Franco committing one of the murders, yet to those who knew Franco, including his employer, he was viewed as a calm guy. He was taken to trial ultimately, but released due to a lack of evidence, and so it would appear the rainbow maniac is still at large. Number 3. The Unsolved Mystery of the Danilovsky Maniac Between 2004 and 2007, the quiet city of Sharapovits in Russia was rocked by a series of bizarre unsolved murders. The sinister individual behind them soon became known as the Danilovsky Maniac, named so because three of his victims were discovered to have been murdered in an abandoned building on Danilovsky Street. This killer was bold and would abduct his victims in broad daylight before taking them to a secluded place where he would then rape and strangle them. As the local news outlets would report, the bodies of seven women and girls ranging between the ages of 17 to 31, all with eerily similar profiles, began turning up in various parts of the city. Disturbingly, six of them had blonde hair, The similarity in the disposal of the bodies and the brutal method of their murders had led authorities to quickly link these cases. DNA evidence was the crucial clue that solidified this was all done by a single man, but in a twist that frustrated investigators and frightened the public, the DNA yielded no match to any existing database. This person just popped up out of nowhere with no criminal past, and terrified everyone who was wondering who would be next. Authorities could only provide a vague description based on a few eyewitness accounts who had seen the Danilowski maniac. A man in his 30s or 40s, approximately 5 foot 9 inches tall, with a dense build. The most distinctive features reported were a receding hairline and a peculiar, cloudy gaze in his eyes. What was even more unsettling was how brazen this killer was, as every victim had been abducted from the bustling central streets in the stark light of day, challenging the very idea of safety in public spaces. Yet in spite of this audacity, the maniac managed to leave behind nothing more than shadows and fear. News R.U. would later unveil another disturbing detail. The Danilovsky maniac had a perverse calling card. The sites where the victims were found often had cruelly drawn pornographic paintings, chilling reminders of a deranged mind. In fact, similar drawings emerged on the walls of a local school. Although some witnesses claimed to have seen the individual crafting these grotesque artworks, their descriptions were so varied that no reliable composite sketch could be drawn. Among the victims were young Marina Ostraskaya, just 17 years old. Irina Popova at 19 and several others whose lives were cut short in the most tragic of circumstances. Despite their best efforts, detectives interviewing thousands across the region yielded no substantial leads. In hopes of catching this phantom, a significant cash reward of up to 1 million rubles was announced for any information that might lead to the arrest of the Danilovsky maniac. Yet, The lure of money couldn't break the silence, and nobody came forward. It was hinted at that this person might have been behind other murders, but nothing concrete tied him to crimes before 2004 or after 2007. This abrupt end led to speculations. Did he move to a new location, or was he incarcerated for unrelated crimes lying low in some prison, or perhaps did he die? So just like that, the maniac came and went. Despite the unyielding efforts of the authorities, the case remains open, but has officially gone cold. The city of Sheripovitz, with its rich history and vibrant culture, now overshadowed by this unsolved mystery, as it waits for closure and justice for the lost souls of the Danilovsky maniac's reign of terror. Number 2. The Silent Terror of Chicago In the Windy City, a dark shadow has been looming for over two decades across South and West Side neighborhoods, because since 1999, at least 50 women, predominantly black, have been murdered in Chicago. Their deaths bear disturbing similarities, leading some to speculate about the presence of a prolific serial killer dubbed the Chicago Strangler. Authorities, however, remain divided on the theory. Between 1999 and 2018, 75 women, between the ages of 18 and 58, were strangled to death in Chicago. By the end of 2019, only 24 of these cases had been resolved. The unsolved murders then presented eerie parallels. Each woman was found in desolate areas, either discarded in alleyways, hidden away within decaying buildings or cruelly left in trash bins. Roughly half had ties to sex work, and a significant 75% were black. Their ends were horrific and brutal. Some were sexually assaulted, others bound and gagged, while some had their lives snuffed out with plastic bags placed over their heads. But for the families, these weren't just statistics. They were mothers, sisters, and daughters. Angela Ford, who met a tragic end in 2001, was a loving mother. Gwendolyn Williams, a tight-knit family's eldest sister, was brutally taken in 2002. Each story is a testament to a life stolen and a family broken. As Michael Pritchett, Williams' brother, pointedly put it, you done messed up our puzzle. For a city as large as Chicago, violent crimes aren't uncommon, but the frequency and nature of these murders raised a lot of concerns. Despite the chilling details, the cases garnered minimal media attention. Cook County State's attorney, Kim Fox, lamented the lack of sustained media coverage, noting that many victims' tragic ends were just blips in the news, if at all. all. However, the narrative began to shift with the emergence of the Murder Accountability Project, founded by Thomas Hargrove. Drawing inspiration from the infamous Gary Ridgway case, Hargrove developed an algorithm to detect potential serial killers. Applying it to the unsolved Chicago murders, he spotted patterns that he believes indicate the presence of a single killer. To Hargrove, the evidence is compelling. The M.O., the locations, and the treatment of the victims all seem to hint in a single, deranged mind at work. A pause in the pattern of killings between 2014 and 2017 further bolstered his theory suggesting that the killer might have been incarcerated during this period. But not everybody shares Hargrove's conviction. The Chicago police, after examining his data, remain unconvinced. Brendan Denahan, Chicago's chief of detectives, emphasize that they operate based on concrete proof, not patterns or algorithms. This stance is supported by DNA evidence collected from half of the crime scenes showing no consistent match. And so, the debate rages on, with Hargrove even suggesting potential suspects like Darren Dion Van, a known serial killer from Gary, Indiana. But concrete links remain elusive. As the mysteries deepen, the public is left with unsettling questions. Is there truly a serial killer at large, or is there a more systemic issue at play? a city that has consistently failed to solve the murders of 50 women over two decades. John Fountain, a journalism professor, drives home the chilling reality, asserting that if 51 dogs were killed, the city would be in an uproar. Yet, when it comes to these women, a deafening silence prevails. As Chicago grapples with these unanswered questions, one truth remains, 50 women are gone and their families await justice. Whether the work of a lone predator or a series of unrelated crimes, the victims deserve more than to be forgotten footnotes in the city's annals of crime. They deserve answers, and so does Chicago. Number one The Vincent Groves Mystery. The advancements of forensic science are remarkable, and their applications in solving crimes are undeniably vital. But sometimes the trajectory of justice lags behind, and the tale of Vincent Grove stands as a testament to that very issue. In the late 70s, three unsuspecting women, Emma Jennifer, a 25-year-old store clerk, Joyce Ramey, a 23-year-old suspected prostitute, and Peggy Cup, a 20-year-old banker, were found strangled and partially unclothed in various parts of Denver. The heinous nature of their deaths and the circumstantial evidence pointed towards a man named Vincent Groves. And Groves wasn't a stranger to the law. By the time the late 80s rolled around, Denver was gripped in fear. Bodies were being discovered month after month and Groves was at the center of the storm, suspected in a string of slangs that could tally up to 20 women between 1979 and 1988. However, while authorities had suspicions and some evidence, there was a missing link. The ability to connect Groves directly to these crimes through DNA. DNA fingerprinting, a groundbreaking technique that would revolutionize crime solving, was still half a decade away from when the initial murders took place. This left authorities grappling in the dark with Groves slipping through their fingers multiple times. Colorado began requiring DNA only in 1988, And that, too, was just for sex offenders. The national database was yet to be fully realized. The landscape of justice began to shift in 2011, though. Denver District Attorney Mitch Morrissey heralded the news many had been waiting for. Through federal grants channeled to a specialized cold case unit, DNA evidence finally linked Groves to the aforementioned killings from 1979 of those three women. The DNA profile extracted from an old case involving 17-year-old Tammy Woodrum provided the missing connection to the four distinct crime scenes. They painted a chilling picture of Groves' MO, targeting vulnerable women, especially those battling cocaine addiction or those he'd pick up from Denver's infamous Colfax Avenue. The most met a cruel fate, strangled and discarded in locations varying from the mountainous terrains west of Denver to desolate fields. When Groves passed away in 1996 from hepatitis C and liver failure while serving a life sentence for unrelated crimes, he took many secrets to the grave. Even in his dying moments, when detectives asked him to confess, Groves just remained silent. Though it looks like he may have been responsible for the murder of 20-plus women, he was only officially convicted of three. For the families of the victims and the investigators who spent years chasing leads, the revelations brought a bittersweet mix of relief and frustration, as there is some doubt about whether this man was the one behind it all. It's likely he was, but there also may be another killer still out there in Denver who was yet to be caught. So there were five serial killers active in 2023, Statistically, there are less serial killers now due to people being caught primarily through DNA technology. But don't be fooled, because they're still out there for sure. Thank you guys for tuning in and for the continued support. Really appreciate it I hope you enjoyed this one. I'll see you guys soon.